eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten wrong with Good morning. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, football camp rolling on time, scrimmage one in the books time, it's darn near scrimmage number two time. That means it's uh, almost nut cutting time, time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24 7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you are having a great Thursday morning out there, unless, of course, it's Thursday. Uh, afternoon or evening or Friday or, or, or whatever day it is, whatever day it is, whenever you're listening to this, I hope it's been a great day. How are you? Hope you're super. Hope everything in your life is going the way that it needs to go. Guys, we got a big, big episode here. Tennessee has got some uh, some scrimmage information. The Vols have had one football scrimmage. They will have a second here just in a few days. It's got some position battles to discuss. Uh, lots and lots of interesting things. It's 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 getting thick, right? Uh, to quote the great Derek Dooley uh, Esquire, it's it's starting to get a little thicker out there. It's almost that time. So let's get right to it. Let's go over to that undisclosed location and get to Patrick Brown. Let's go to uh, that uh, that home daycare center where Ryan Callahan is. Fellas, what is up? Well, Wes, I'm in, still in, in the glow of watching uh, Vaughn Grissom's Major League Baseball debut with the Braves, uh, including a monster shot over the monster in Boston. Yeah, talk, um, talk about I, I do a, want to point out, I'll come uh, – go ahead. I was just saying, talk talk about a dream debut, like to hit a home run over the monster yeah. in your first major league game. My God, man, that's a lifetime memory. And he, he legitimately looked like he was like couldn't believe what, that that just happened. So uh, I also will come out with a tease. Uh, Ryan and I will be on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page on Thursday at 4 Eastern for our uh, Tennessee 2022 season preview. Um, we'll talk falls like we do here. Let's take some questions. It'll be interactive. You'll get to look at our stupid faces. Uh, it'll be a good time. That does sound like a good time. Be a, yeah, definitely the on, the, on the stupid faces part. Um, and, uh, yeah, it should be, a, should be a lot of fun. So check that out. And, uh, I think we'll be able to take some questions on there maybe, or have some sort of level of interaction or, or maybe we'll just talk. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet what to expect there, but that's this podcast, what dropping Thursday morning West. So yes, that'll be later yes. today, later uh, today at four, four Eastern. So, so stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, been a, 
been a been a good day and lots more football to to watch or at least follow here over the next few days a couple more things before we get going guys first off uh, we we did our first twitter spaces uh, a couple of days ago and i, I the original thought was we were going to do that because we had a whole bunch of people that were on there it was a good time um and, and the goal is was there and to going forward was to to go ahead and immediately cut that up and put that into the next podcast that we do. Um, but the audio uh, just wasn't quite what it needed to be, I think, to be on the on the feed. So we'll still we'll, we'll link that if you're if you're listening here on the website uh, at the bottom uh, here of this page, you should be able to go find uh, something that will point you in the direction of that Twitter spaces. We had a good time. We had the whole staff on there. So Grant was there, too. Uh, it was a it was a good time. So uh, that that I wanted to mention that that apologies that it's not on the feed yet. Uh, next time, hopefully we'll clean up the audio. Uh, get that better since we're on our phones with Twitter spaces. It's kind of a weird thing, but we'll try to get that done. Uh, so that's the first thing. And the second thing also, thank you to everyone who just signed up. And there were a bunch of you. Thanks for signing up uh, there during the most recent promo we had. It was one of the best promos that we have during the year. We have plenty more. We'll have more, uh, but we had a good one there. So thank you to everyone who joined there and uh, hope you enjoy the website. I very much doubt that you will regret it. Guys, Tennessee uh, was off Wednesday. Uh, it was the first, uh, I guess, off day since preseason camp has started, and that's because Tuesday was the the first scrimmage, so that's kind of a good time to kind of get everybody in there after after some serious pad popping, get everybody healed up a little bit, watch some tape, clean things up, get a refresh, and get ready uh, to start preparing for the second major scrimmage, which will be on Sunday, also closed to the media, um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to find out what happens. We got a lot of information from that first scrimmage on Tuesday, and we'll go ahead and dive right into that. The the, the construction at Neyland Stadium, not quite completed just yet, um, but uh, the field was sodded. They got out there and uh, were able to go through the paces, get that done. And I guess I'll start with you, Pat. What what, what did you make of the scrimmage of, of what you heard about what was going on? Well, Wes, it sounded like the offense maybe was the winner, quote-unquote, of the day. I don't, I don't know that they were necessarily dominant. I think there was some back and forth, which is what you want to see. Uh, a lot of times in these early preseason scrimmages, that you know the defense will be ahead, um, but I don't. You know, I think the offense maybe had the better day, but the defense still did some good things. And you know, Jeremy Banks had an interception that was a nice play out in the flat. Uh, the defense was able to generate some red zone holds, um, but the offense, uh, I think they had a good day. The running backs sounded like they they performed pretty well, um, and, and you would expect that from this group. There's there's a lot of guys back on this offense that are that are now used to playing in this system. Uh, I think they're gonna. Uh, I think they're able to go faster uh, between plays, which is a big emphasis for the staff, obviously. Uh, and guys are used to it. You know, they they know the drill by now. So, um, and, and in some in, with some of the de- the defense, some of those young guys, some of those new guys, they're this is that was really their first time out on the field in a game like simulation, playing against the tempo. So some of those young guys, um, you know, maybe it was a little bit different for them, and, and maybe that's where they. Um, that maybe that was something they came out of the scrimmage saying that they need to improve. But um, I think it was a pretty typical scrimmage in that there was the back and forth, you know, the, the offense looks good at one point, the defense comes back and, and makes some plays and does some good things. And um, as a coaching staff, you, you see some positives to, to build on, to take from it. Uh, and you also see a lot of things that you can correct over the next few days. And, and they're going to practice Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before Sunday's second scrimmage. So, um, all in all, I think a, a good, useful scrimmage for this team as, as they kind of continue to move forward through camp. Yeah, and Ryan, I got to tell you, it's not uncommon at all for for a defense to to be ahead of an offense. In fact, usually that's probably more often than not. I don't know if I've ever seen like a double blind study, uh, peer reviewed journal on on the topic, uh, but I do think 
that from from all the the camps that we've covered and and you read other places what's going on over there you see stuff it's pretty common for for defenses to be ahead of offenses maybe a little bit early on in camp and in that first scrimmage but given the nature of where Tennessee is right now offensively maybe and where it is defensively I think it might have been a little bit surprising um, if it had gone the other way if it had gone that way right I think it would have been surprising if the defense had gotten better the offense in that first scrimmage. It just just seems to me like, especially with a senior quarterback like Hendon Hooker, some of the weapons they have offensively and some of the pieces that they're trying to put together defensively, I think it probably makes more sense that the offense was a little better than the defense. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And, and, you know, I I guess what we heard so far, and I I also read into what we've not heard so far. Uh, I, I did hear a little more that suggests, you know, Byron Young did, flush the quarterback out of the pocket at times. Uh, I heard, heard that Hendon Hooker and, and even Joe Milton might have, might have tucked and run a, a good number of times uh, in this scrimmage, which, you know, in, on a day where they're in a non-contact jersey where you're not yeah. trying to get them hit live, um, I, I wouldn't read too much into that as far as how much they're going to run in games this season. But, you know, it, it's at least a positive sign that they were maybe getting flushed out of the pocket a little bit and having to, having to run. But you didn't hear the, a lot of – at least I haven't heard so far – about a lot of big plays, uh, a lot of sacks, things like that by the defensive line. So, you know, we always say these scrimmages are a double-edged sword. On one hand, if we were hearing about a lot of sacks, you'd be talking about, is the offensive line a mess? (laughs) So um, that's maybe the one thing I would have looked for from the defense. Did they get a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks? And and at least, you know, in terms of of getting the quarterback uncomfortable, making him uh, scramble out of the pocket a little bit, sounds like they did at least a little bit of that. So that's um, to, just to add to, to what we've discussed so far, that's at least worth noting. Uh, but yeah, the defense, not a, not a lot of big plays, you know, that Jeremy Banks, uh, pick was, was kind of the one noteworthy play that we heard about. I think it's a good sign to hear that they're getting some red zone stops. Uh, that's, that's something they've got to do more of this year, frankly, but they, uh, yeah, it would have been a surprise if you'd heard the offense struggled on, on a, in the first scrimmage like that. Cause yeah, you've got more pieces coming back, many more known commodities on that side of the ball. And the defense just has some big question marks still uh, as far as you know, the defensive line. You know, how many true difference makers do they have up front aside from Byron Young? You know, can Tyler Barron be that type of guy? Can Omari Thomas take another step this year? Those are guys we know will, will play a lot of snaps for this team. But how good, how good can they be? And then the secondary, who do you have in there, first of all? Because Kamal Haddon was out this scrimmage. Who do you have in there? And, and can those guys be difference makers in the back end? Can they make plays? And and keep guys in front of them too, because at times they they've had trouble with that in the past. So uh, still some question marks about the defense. So it makes sense that they were you know maybe not behind, but certainly didn't get the better of the offense in the scrimmage. Yeah, and I'll tell you though, what, Pat, what sounds to me like really good news, you know, especially because we just mentioned and we've talked a lot over the the past several months about Tennessee's defense and the things they're trying to kind of put together and tighten up going into the second year of the Hypel and Tim Banks era and all that. There are 130 teams uh, in FBS football. Tennessee was, I believe, 121st nationally in red zone defense last season. Tennessee was, I think, 119th or 120th, somewhere around there, in touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone. Tennessee's red zone defense uh, was a big ball of suck. That's just what it was. It was not good. Tennessee did some good things defensively last season. It, it surprised some people at times, um, but then uh, the third down, the, the the red zone stuff, not so good. So getting a couple of, of stops in the red zone against an offense that we know it, it has as many weapons as Tennessee's can have and a senior quarterback and Hennon Hooker, really good player, that seems like really good news to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's where there can be the most upward movement for this defense is is how they handle those those situational plays, right? Can you get off the field on on third and ten? Can you get off the field on third and seven? Can you hold um, a, a team when they get inside the twenty? You know, you can give up yards between the twenties, but if you're able to, you know, to you know those plays and you know, those third downs in the red zone where you get stopped, those are four point plays in reality. So, um, and, and with you're going to play a lot of close games in this league too. So that those those are big scenarios that Tennessee has to come out better on more often this season if the defense is going to be better. Now I don't think this defense can you know if they're talking upper third of the SEC I don't I don't think they have that. Um, but even if they're middle of the pack with what this offense is capable of doing and what this offense could do um, in, in its second season with with Josh Heupel and Alex Golish, middle of the pack might be good enough for you to win eight or nine games. I mean. Yeah. Uh, that that's where we're at. And, and I think, I think, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit like last year where they're going to have to take what they have and, and make the most of it. They, they don't have as many dudes that you need. I, I think they've got some guys that they can trust. There's this veteran safeties that uh, have a lot of trust with the staff. Um, Jeremy Banks, I think can be a dude. Byron Young, certainly, um, you know, Tyler Barron's had a, had a good camp and a good off season so far. Um, they've got some guys there, but, uh, I think they're going to be relying on their ability to maybe play more guys. That's something we've heard the coaches talk a lot about this offseason and, and this preseason about having more guys. I, I'm still in the, mo- in the mode of, okay, you, you talk about it, you have more numbers, but how many of these guys earn your trust for you to actually play them? You know, because we hear coaches talk, talk about it all the time. Got to have our, got to have more depth, got to play more, play more depth. Well then do it. <laughs> and that, that's why these scrimmages are important for those guys that are trying to earn trust and, and trying to get roles to, to show that they can go out there and, and do that. So um, if they're able to stay fresher for, you know, those moments late in drives in the red zone, when they're able to come up with a stop on third down, if they're able to stay fresher because they rotate more in the, in the second and third quarters. So then in the fourth quarter on that big third down of a tight game, they're able to, to get off the field, you know, instead of giving it up like they did last year. So um, that, that's why these scrimmages are important. So, um, yeah, I think those those scenarios are what you want to see from this defense. They, they've got to live, on, I think, on those in sort of those three realms because they're not going to be good enough to just stop everybody all the time. They're going to give up yards. They're going to give up points. But can they get turnovers? Can they get off the field on third down when they do get teams behind the chains? And can they pull teams to field goals or you know get get stops in the red zone where they don't give up a touchdown? Uh, I will say maybe I'm maybe I'm naive, but I, I am I'm hearing enough about it. Um, outside of press conferences that I, I do think they are planning to play a good number of guys on defense this year. Now I, I would agree I think, with that. I would now, too, but, of, but, but I'm always a little skeptical when I hear that because I think that's also the, exactly the thing that you say in preseason camp to get all the guys fired up and, and motivated. Sure, and sure. But I, I think part of it is also just the makeup of this team. I think it's like, like Patrick said, not, not a lot of guys that you'd point to and say that's a dude. That's a guy we've got to have on the field at all times. So I think they feel that one of their strengths on this team might be, and, and it's not so much a strength because their roster is, is still not where they want to be long-term, but it's better. It's better than what they had last year. So we saw last year they, they were trying to play three, four linebackers when they had all those guys healthy at the very beginning of last season, uh, at least rotating them a little bit in those first couple games. I think they would still like to do that at, at linebacker and play four, whether Solon Page or Elijah Herring or whoever is the fourth one. I think they would like to do that. I think in the secondary, they've got guys like Andre Turrentine and, and 
whether it's Tamara McDonald or Wesley Walker, whoever comes off the bench there, like those guys will probably get in the game. At cornerback, you've got four guys who look maybe not fairly interchangeable, but just haven't had a lot of separation there so far. So I think just the setup, certainly early in the season, is is four. And obviously on the defensive line, Rodney Garner's made it clear he's going to play 10. You always rotate guys there. So I, I just think this team is kind of set up for that, where it might have to be one of this team's strengths. And so they're thinking maybe if you bring in fresh guys all the time, the way – uh, the way that they like to play aggressively, especially, you know, if you're if you're getting pressure on the quarterback and you're making some things happen up front, that maybe just having fresh bodies out there gives you something that this team, you know, to make up for the fact that this team doesn't have just difference makers across the board. Yeah. This, this, go ahead. This, the skeptic in me, sorry to cut you off, Wes. The no, skeptic in me is like they will plan to play three or four cornerbacks or three or four linebackers. And then they put a guy like Elijah Herring out there and he busts. And like, okay, you're not playing the rest of this game. Yeah. And then the, then the guy's confidence is shot. You know, that that's a freshman too. That that's maybe not the best example. But say say you, you put in Brandon Turnage and and at cornerback, you rotate him in and he gives up a touchdown. Are you gonna put him back out there? That that's the trust. I think that that that's always sort of the, the skeptic in me is gonna be like coaches are kind of I don't say paranoid, but they're that, that's a scenario where you say you're going to play depth, you say you're going to play depth, then you do it, and then the minute something goes wrong, you revert back to, all right, we're just sticking with these guys. Well, and we'll um, find out really quickly how right. serious they are about that because game two, right out of the gate, right. Pittsburgh, and and that's – I think the rotation shrinks quite a bit after that Ball State game, and, and then you find out really who they trust early in the season against yeah. Pitt. And, and I would say that the receiver position is a, is a good example from last year because it took them those, those four – first four games to figure out their best combination when they moved Valus to the slot and, and Cedric Tillman went to the staff and was like, I want to be, I want to be the top guy. I want to be the number one receiver. Um, that that's when it all clicked. And so that that's, you know, they, they were playing guys like Hyatt and Callaway early and they were playing Walker Merrill got some snaps early in some games. So um, once they got to find the right combination of guys um, and that, that opener does give them a chance. Tennessee should be able to, um, play as many guys as they want in that game. They should take care of business that opener, and that's a chance to to get you know sort of have a have those competitions at cornerback and even on offense at left tackle and your depth at linebacker and the defense line. That's a chance for you to see what guys can do with, under the lights, so to speak. So, um, but yeah, I do think there's something to be said, like you mentioned, Ryan, of, of maybe the quality comes in the quantity. I think that's happened for Tennessee's defensive line a couple times in the past few seasons, where you know they've played a lot of guys, they haven't really had a whole lot of difference makers, but guy pops up, makes a play here. Another guy pops up, makes a play a couple drives later, things like that. So um, I, I think that's – and they have the option, I think, to do that. But we'll have to see once they get into the season how much they trust. Some of these guys, they, they probably can go into the season or maybe come out of camp saying, all right, we can play this guy and, and give him snaps. He deserves it. Yeah, I wonder sometimes if um, – you know, you talk about quantity sometimes being uh, – what's the old Napoleon quote? Uh, quantity has a quality all its own, I think is that quote. You know, there, there's something to be said for for that. Uh, and, and Tennessee may not be good enough every week to just – you know, defensively to go out there and be like, this is who we are, this is this is how we play, and we're going to sort of, you know, enforce our will on you or impose our will on you. Sometimes they're going to have to mix and match probably and, and, and go sort of that horses for courses thing and have a couple, you know, maybe maybe this one guy plays a lot of linebacker this week and then the next week he, he may not play as many reps or the same thing. Maybe, you know, the, they need the a taller corner in for this game or they need the, the, the smaller, faster guy. They're, they're probably going to have to do that to a certain extent defensively, I think, because – 
that's just kind of where they are. They may not have a lot of tens, but you know they can throw a lot of sixes and sevens and, and some eights at you, and maybe one, maybe one ten there in Byron Young. So uh, I think that's probably what they're going to have to do. I think that it's just sort of being real to say that. I don't think it's pessimistic or anything of the sort. I think you're just kind of calling something what it is because uh, you know Tennessee's got some dudes, but defensively, you look across the league, there are a lot of teams that look like they have more dudes. So we'll see. They got to go there and play the games. So we don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's interesting nonetheless to, to think about it in those terms, at least right now, until they go out there and prove something else. Guys, before we go to break, you know, usually there's about maybe a week apart in, in those first two scrimmages of a preseason camp. Uh, Tennessee's not going to do that. Tennessee's going to have obviously less than a week. They're going to go again on Sunday. And what's interesting to me about that is the second scrimmage of a preseason camp a lot of times is kind of the big day. Coaches will tell you all 15 days, you know, or all 30 days are the same, all 15 in spring, yada, yada. I, I think there's something to be said for that. But we know that usually there's two major scrimmages in most camps, and then the final one, if they have one, is some call it the beanie bowl or kicking scrimmage or whatever you want to call it. It's more of a dress rehearsal than it is an actual scrimmage-type performance. So I know every practice is important. I know the guys go 11-on-11 team stuff for significant portions of every day. But uh, the second major scrimmage is a really, really big day. Uh, Maybe you think of it like moving day on the PGA Tour, like on Saturdays. It's where you make a lot of moves for where you're going to be when it counts. And I think the next three days leading into Sunday, this is a really one of the most important times of camp, I think. It is, especially because I think you're going to see some uh, – I'll, I'll be interested. We, we've yet to go out for practice Thursday morning as of, as of the recording of this podcast, obviously. So what changes, if any, do we see in the depth chart from just sort of the rotations in practice and things like that? Do they make any moves like that? Or do they sort of wait until after the second scrimmage and let things play out a little bit more before they make any you know, seismic changes and really start preparing guys for possible starting jobs and, and, and backup jobs and things like that? Uh, I still think there's not a lot of separation in, in many of the, the, the battles that we can we could obviously get into that a little more in the, in the second segment. But I do think that's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this week leading up to Sunday and then how much more we get to see Sunday. Um, I, I will say one of the things I'm really interested in Sunday is just do we get to see a little more, you know, we don't know yet the health of, of guys like Kamal Haddon, Drew McCoy sat out this, the first scrimmage on Tuesday. Do guys like that get in there uh, for, for that scrimmage? You know, Jalen Wright, I think he'll probably miss a little more time, but, you know, do we see a little bit more from those guys and do they get to get a better feel of what they have at cornerback with Kamal Haddon and, and do they see what Drew McCoy can do in that second scrimmage? Because like you said, that's an important day. It doesn't mean you're not going to be a major contributor if you can't be out there for that scrimmage, but it would be much better to see sort of what you have and be able to gauge your full complement of players at as many positions as possible. And those are important players who set out that scrimmage. Yeah, I, I think it's like Wes said, it, it's sort of moving week, right? This is, you know, you, you want to have some of these battles, you want to have an idea of which direction you're going to go. Um, and, and then you kind of start narrowing down maybe the depth chart for the first game coming out of the second one. So uh, it's interesting to me listening to Josh Heupel after Tuesday's scrimmage talking about how they need some of these young guys, particularly on defense. I think he was talking about guys like Josh Josephs, James Pierce, Tyree West maybe, that they need those guys to come on a little bit quicker. Um, those guys are obviously talented players, but it, it, even for a guy like West, it's 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 tough right now. They're, they're, a lot's going fast for them, um, especially for those two edge guys. But 
Um, I, I, it was interesting to me that they talked about those guys. And then you even look at some guys on offense like Dylan Sampson, who um, I think he had a pretty good scrimmage the other day yeah. uh, from, from what, I've, what I've heard. And we, we touched on him earlier in this week and, and some takeaways we posted on the site that he's a guy that's been impressing um, and, and he sort of kept that going um, in, in the scrimmage, had the long touchdown run. Jabari Small, I think also from, from what I was told, had, had a pretty good day too. So, um, can, can those guys build off of it? Because for newcomers at this point in camp, you're, you want them to not hit that wall, right? They're in the second week, installs, physicality, uh, multiple days in a row, all these things can sort of build up, and, and you want those guys to be progressing as you get closer to the season. Now, that doesn't mean if, if some of these guys don't play well on Sunday that they're not going to play at all this season. It just means they might not be ready game one, which is, I mean, it, they're freshmen, it happens. So, um, but for me, coming in the second scrimmage, it's all about the line scrimmage to me. That, that's where uh, I think this team has to be ready to go early in the season. Um, looking at looking even at that Pittsburgh game, you know that that, that, that game's got to be one in the trenches for Tennessee for me. So, um, can they find the, the sixth, seventh, eighth guys on the offensive line? I think I know who four of the starters are going to be. We'll talk about the left tackle situation in, in the next one. But you know, what does the defensive line look like? Can they get some guys that are able to replace what Matthew Butler did last season? Can you know, the next step that they're wanting to see from Byron Young and Tyler Brand, can they continue to put, you know, put themselves in position to make that step and can they get uh, that, that, that rotation sorted out? So that's, that's what I'm looking at in the, in, in the second one. And, and obviously we'll have to see how uh, they go. They've still got three practices before then. So that's the thing about these scrimmages is they're important. They're big evaluation tools, but they are in the grand scheme. They're one of a lot of evaluation opportunities that the staff has and, uh, but that one obviously will be another important checkpoint of, of camp. Well, one thing I do like about the the, the first and second scrimmages being so you know or not so close, but but closer together, is that in an era where you can't have two a days because they just you know don't really allow that stuff anymore. Nobody does it. Uh, I do think that that kind of testing someone's physical toughness and sort of mental toughness that's one way to maybe do that a little bit. As you go quickly, you go boom, boom, boom. Day to day, you got two scrimmages close to each other. You're going to see who's bounced back, who's tough. I, I, I maybe I like maybe that part of it a little bit. I hadn't thought of it in, until just a little bit ago, but I, that's something that I think is interesting about having those two scrimmages so close together. So lots to talk about about that. Got a lot more to discuss in this episode. We're going to talk about Tennessee's. I think we've discovered what guys are we? We've discussed five. Is it five position battles that we've put above the rest? Is it the top five? Is that is that that's what we've done, isn't it? I'm looking for either one of you to, to verify. Sounds right. Sounds right. All right. That sounds I think good. it's yeah. five. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I think it's five. So we're going to go, go to break, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera. Then we're going to come back if I can get my words out of my freaking mouth, and we are going to discuss those position battles and where things go from here in Tennessee's camp. So hang there. We'll be right back in just one second. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you uh, from an undisclosed location. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center there across town, the other side of the tracks. We are discussing Tennessee football on this episode. It's Guys, it's just what? three weeks or so until the, the season starts. I mean, this thing is getting here. It's getting here quickly. I think maybe maybe three weeks exactly from today when this from, thing gets from started. Today, yeah. yeah, three weeks from today. Uh, so lots and lots to discuss and short amount of time to do it. And, and I'm not talking about just us discussing. I'm talking about Tennessee staff. They got to get there and they got to they got to break down this film. They got to get in the room, get in the war room, and they got to figure uh, some of this pecking order out. There's lots and lots to discuss, and we will get right to it after – uh, I, I take about a few seconds here, and, and I ask you to take about 60 seconds out of your day, maybe 75 seconds out of your day, maybe tops 90 seconds out of your day. Please go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you're just listening on the website. We love you. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. It goes down smooth every time. However, what helps us out more than anything is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. You can find this very Go Balls 24-7 podcast. We do it for free, and we're happy to do it. And all we ask in return is that you rate, review, and tell your friends, and we'll grow this thing, uh, add more wolves to this wolf pack, as we've been doing since we started this thing a long, long time ago is what it feels like because uh, covering Tennessee, you will age in dog years. Guys, if you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, uh, go f*** yourself. That's the uh, that's the motto. Pop quiz time, boys. Uh, we got the five position battles that Tennessee, or, or five main position battles that we think are the most important. Let let's rank them in order. They're all important. They're the, they're the five biggest. We we know that that we we strongly believe, strongly suspect these are the top five position battles. So I guess I'll start with Pat and then go to Ryan and, and I'll go ahead and, 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 and be the caboose. What are these five position battles for Tennessee? What are the biggest ones in your opinion? Well, do I need to go five to one or one to five? Uh, one to five. We'll, we'll count up. Uh, for the, the most important one to me is left tackle. Uh, the second one after that, I think I'd go star. Peter Jackson was really good there last year. Yeah. Um, three, I'd go cornerback. Four, I would go wide receiver, and we're talking about the the spot opposite Cedric Tillman. Jalen Hyatt's going to be the guy on the slot. I think we I think we all agree there. Um, although he may not be the only guy on the slot. Um, uh, and then, did we say the defensive line was the fifth one, or did yeah. we say running back? Defensive line. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and we're talking probably the other defensive tackle spot because we know right. that. Tyler Bavarian is going to start a defensive end. Byron Young is the Leo. Amari Thomas is going to be a starter. And then it's that guy. That one's fit. That one's fifth just because 
they're going to rotate there. So that, that guy that starts may play 35, 40 snaps a game. Maybe and also when I say, yeah, and when I say position battle there too, I, I take that to mean just all the sorting out of the depth there too, like who's going to be running with the twos across the defensive line. Um, you know, is there is there a clear? I mean, does does Roman right. Harrison stay the number two Leo and things like that? So yeah, I think I still think there's a lot of competition there, especially among the guys. Because I think a lot of those, you know, maybe ten rotational spots have been claimed, but still some jockeying for position within that group. I would say, and and, and that's even going to that defensive end spot, sticking at the uh, with with who's going to be the rotational guys. We, you know, Ronnie Garner comes out on Monday and says Dominic Bailey's supposed to prove defensive lineman. On, on the team this preseason. Like, what? Didn't see that coming. Yeah, didn't either. Is he, is he still getting more snaps than the draw Bumpus if Bumpus is healthy? Is Bumpus more of a situational guy where he's an interior pass rusher? All these things. That, that's why the defensive line is – that's one of those positions where the depth chart is kind of not irrelevant, but it's less relevant than other positions. All right, Ryan, your top five. Yeah, very similar. I, I would I – would, still stick with left tackle at, at number one just because of how important that position is and how how unknown, frankly, um, uh, or at least shaky potentially, that position could be if, uh, if they don't find someone that they can completely trust. Uh, and and I, think, I think you can kind of tell the state of that position and really could tell from, this, from the first day of camp uh, or before the first day of camp when, when Alex Skolish came in in his press conference and I thought kind of hinted at the real possibility that they might end up playing two guys there uh, early in the season, at least. Uh, and I think that's a real possibility still with, uh, with, with obviously uh, Jeremiah Crawford and, uh, and then Ger- Gerald Mincy both having a good chance of seeing the field early, regardless of who wins that job. So I, I think that's still the most important position just because it could go badly. Uh, we saw at times last year when they had to rely on someone else without Cade Mays, you know, we saw it in the, in the bowl game a little bit, just not, not a lot of uh, trust maybe in that position going into this off season. And then you flip those guys over to the left side and have Darnell rights uh, on the right side. And that's, that's an important spot. You don't want to be bad at left tackle. So I would put that number one, uh, e- even if it's, even if we already kind of have a feeling how it might end up to start the season, that's still important. And then two, I would go with cornerback over star just because Ryan, we're just the- ranking them right now. We're not going through all of them right now. We're going to go one yeah. at a time. So just don't uh, like break them all down as you rank them. Just rank them. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> so I'm just saying, yeah. Moving along. Above- like, I'm going to borrow my line from the Twitter space. Jeez. Man, I was going to say, now I know how Wes felt Sunday night. Yeah, Pat's becoming, di- Pat's becoming dictatorial here. Um, and, Did you uh, just call me what I think you just called me? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Read between, <laughs> read between the lines. <laughs> um, but I would go with corner above, uh, star. And then I would, I would go with four. Um, I, I would, yeah, I would go the same order as Pat on that one. I would go four wide receiver, that, that second spot. And then five, uh, defensive line, just because you, you do know more uh, about that group overall and how the starters might look. Yeah. I'm well, going. Did you fix your fire? Did you fix your smoke detector yet? Yeah, I think I did, although I'm not positive that it's not just the battery, that it's the actual smoke detector itself. 
uh, because it was still beeping occasionally earlier today. Uh, so, so I don't, so I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty natural state of being after it, it starts beeping. Yeah. Well, no, 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 I fixed, the ba- really no sure. I fixed the battery and it seems like it's still beeping, but that it's, it's taking longer to beep now, I think. So I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I'm going uh, left tackle number one, uh, and I'll explain this later. I'm going star number two, going corner number three, going D line four, and wide receiver five uh, would be would be my order there. The reason being uh, that I think they just have so many kind of they have a lot of options at D line, but they got to get so much better there that they really need some guys to step forward, and so that's why I'm putting it there. And I also trust the the passing game enough that it's less of a concern for me generally than the defensive line. Um, it would be just about for any team, but especially for this team with the pieces that I think they have and the, and the kind of quarterback that they have. So let's start with left tackle. Uh, we'll go right there. Uh, I still, in my mind, I still think Darnell Wright moving to right tackle might have been better for Darnell Wright. I'm not convinced it was the best thing for Tennessee uh, at this point. Uh, I think he might be a better player on the right side than he is at left side, but uh, that that guy's protecting your franchise over there, so you might want Darnell Wright over there doing that as opposed to a guy who hasn't played much college football no matter which way they go. Um, so that that's where I am on that one, but I still think that they don't have a clear number one there. I think we see Crawford out there with the ones maybe a little bit more often, but that's really hard to tell because we're not there for the entire uh, the entirety of, of the practices these days. So what do you all think? Where do you think stand there? Yeah, I think Crawford maybe has a slight edge right now. I don't think he's run away and claimed it yet. And, and as Ryan sort of touched on, um, that, that thing seems to be heading toward an early season rotation for me. I kind of feel like they're going to, but those guys are so inexperienced. You really want to see what they do when the bullets are flying, when, yeah. when the game is real, when there's a guy coming off the edge that's um, pinning his ears back on third and ten. Like you can get an idea of that on, on the practice field, but it's just different in the game. So, um, and we saw them rotate a little bit at right tackle at the end of last season with Crawford and Tate Davis. So uh, they've done it in the past. I, I think they'll start off the season doing that because uh, that is unless some you know. Crawford or, or Gerald Mincy, one of those two guys just runs away with it here in the next over the next week or so, or one of them just has just a terrible scrimmage, uh, or somebody gets hurt. So that that's another scenario that, that could deter that. Um, but I think the trajectory is going right now toward something of an early season rotation. But I think Crawford continues to have the edge there. And I think he both those guys have their their strengths, but um, I, I think Mincy might have the most upside. But he's been in the program a little less. You know, Crawford played in this offense just a little bit last year, but when you have two guys that are so inexperienced, that little bit kind of matters. So, um, and, and that's a position again. I think the rest of the four are pretty good. Darnell Wright, wherever he plays, I think he's going to be a pretty good player for mm-hmm. Tennessee. Um, and and you like the interior to it that they have, but uh, can can they get as Ryan sort of mentioned? Can they get adequate play there? Because you, you need to protect number five first and foremost. That 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 that's yeah. the the number one key to this offense is. Uh, protect Hendon Hooker. And that's not a knock on Joe Milton, who I think has had a pretty good camp. But um, Hendon Hooker is – this is his team. He's your guy. You don't need him taking hits that he can't see. So, um, But I, I think Crawford is, is sort of ahead right now. Um, but, it, again, it sort of seems like it's heading towards a little bit of a platoon, a timeshare, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and, and, and just to reiterate, I mean, not, not to give any Tennessee fans any nightmares of, of a night they might not have thought about in a while, but, you know, if, if you have a bad left tackle, it can be a nightmare against some of the kinds of pass rushes you're going to face in the SEC. I mean, Will Anderson or 
know, any of those guys, <laughs> they're going to yeah. make your, your day. Pittsburgh's got awful. some dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, so, did, uh, did, did y'all see Bama's team picture in the face that Will Henderson made? <laughs> In that team picture, he just in the team picture he had a face that was like, uh, "You're everybody. Sh- I should have won the Heisman last year, and I'm going to murder everyone uh, this year because of it." It was just he, he made a face like I'm going to wreck people. Yeah. So I so I was going to go in this direction, not to remind everyone of a, of a bad experience, but I mean, remember that Alex Brown game forty years back? I mean, oof, oof. That, that's the kind of stuff that can happen if you have a bad left tackle. So you don't need that to be a, to become an issue. Tennessee needs to figure out a way to solidify that spot. I don't think it's it's viewed as quite that type of issue, but just because you have guys as Patrick said are not that experienced overall. Um, I, I think it's still a concern until it's until you prove that it's solidified a bit. So uh, I think the fact that it's still a pretty close competition uh, tells you no one's, you know, it, it can be seen as a good sign or a bad sign that either guy has kind of taken it and run with it. But uh, I, I do think it's it's sort of set up well to be that kind of early season platoon maybe a little bit because because I think the guy that's seen as having you know again the most long term upside might be Gerald Mincy and if he's not quite ready. To, to just take the job and run with it, then, then maybe you go with Crawford early as the starter, mix in Mincy, and just see see how it shakes out on the field. Uh, and, and you might decide that the guy that um, that maybe doesn't have the the exceptional length uh, there is, is still the safer play, or maybe you decide to go with the long term upside and and just see how he how he develops throughout the season. But I, I think it is set up well to to, to kind of go into the season with it with it being a rotation a little bit and figure it out. But, you know, again, I think with everything being focused on September, because I think that's such an important month for Tennessee, you don't have a lot of time to sort through this. It's, you know, it's not as bad as Florida, which opens with Utah and Kentucky right out of the gates, but you got one game to maybe experiment with. And then it's right into the important stuff. And then you get a little bit of a breather before Florida playing Akron, but you know, you maybe got those games sandwiched around Pitt and Florida to experiment with a little bit. And then your schedule doesn't let up for a while. So, I, I don't think they've got a lot of time to really figure this out. So I think that, that does add to the urgency to really see what you can get determined during preseason camp going into that opener because that, that pit game is important, and that's game number two. And that, that means you've got to figure out who your best 11 are on both sides pretty quickly. Two quick thoughts there. One, uh, thanks, Ryan, for bringing up uh, Alex Brown. I think Tennessee fans are probably really happy about that. He would also like, to, re- he would also like to remind you that uh, the Tooth Fairy uh, does not exist and that one day your beloved family pet will pass away. Ryan's just uh, <laughs> just bringing out all the, the great news today. Uh, secondly, uh, both Mix in Mincy and Exceptional Length uh, would be uh, good indie rock band names, I just decided. So uh, second thing here, guys, uh, I'll go with Pat's list. We'll go down in that order. Uh, Star. Thank you. Well, well, it was the first one I had written down in the column. You know, it's it's don't don't take it as an indicator. Basically, you, you didn't you didn't mention Alex Brown, so Tennessee fans want to hear from you before they want to hear from Ryan now. So, uh, Star, let's let's go there. Uh, what do we think there? Well, I think I was in like fifth grade for the Alex Brown game. I like vaguely remember it, but um, anyways, the star position going into camp, it sounded like it was a matter of time before that was going to be Wesley Walker's job. I still kind of would lean toward him taking it, but I think Tamarian McDonald um, is is giving him a run for it. Uh, and McDonald opened up camp as the, as the number one there. Uh, but it's easy to say that that was an indication of where he finished spring, and that's where he did finish spring because Tennessee had, like, no corners, yeah. and they were just trying to figure out guys. Now, he's played that position before. Um, again, I, I think Walker ultimately will take it over um, because I think he's a better player. 
Um, but McDonald does seem to be performing well. And I think the staff is, is, is maybe thinking better about him than they were. So uh, I, I think it's shaping up as, as those two guys beyond those two, who would they play? I don't know. Maybe that's, do they, do they can they get Andre Turrentine ready to play there? I know he's kind of getting some looks at safety. Um, you know, Danico Slaughter has played there, but he's another guy that's maybe getting maybe more work at safety. Can they slide a corner inside? Um, but uh, in terms of who's going to be the starter, I think it's between those two. And um, I'll, I'll stick to what I think we said earlier in the week in, in our takeaways that it's going to ultimately be Walker that, that, that gets there, but got to go out and earn it. Right. That's what, that's what camp is for. And, and certainly that, that one looks like it's maybe more for grabs than, uh, than maybe it looked going into camp. Yeah, that's, I, I would tend to agree with that overall. I, I do think Wesley Walker is the, the, the more talented guy and more likely to take the job uh, long term. Uh, I, I think maybe the way to put it so far is that, is that Tamara McDonald, the, the light has come on a little bit for him in terms of just everything starting to click. He's playing like a veteran now. Um, the, you know, the practice habits and uh, ability to pick things up and, and master the defense is, is there. And then you're two under this coaching staff. I think there's a pretty good comfort level with him now. So, you know, is he the most physically talented guy for that position? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I would maybe give an edge to Walker in that area, but I think right now there's a pretty good comfort level that when they put Tamari McDonald in a, in a spot to, to play there, that he's going to, that he's going to be in the right place for the most part. And that's, that's worth something. So I think he has shown he can, can play a role on this team. You know, how big that role will be, I think is still to be determined, but I think he, at least has put himself in position to play quite a bit this year, potentially. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if he can sort of hang on as Patrick said, with him having open camp as the number one there at the star position. But I, I still tend to think over time, Wesley Walker takes that starting job, whether it's game one or game six or whatever. And that probably over the, the course of the season, he plays more snaps there than, than McDonald. And, and like you said, the, the big question might be if somebody goes down either of those guys, where would they go next? Because I think mean, they do have a lot of options. We saw Brandon Turner play there last year. You know, any of those outside corners, you could probably move inside pretty easily. Christian Charles would be one who would seem to have a skill set that fits well there. So, you know, you, you could go a lot of different directions there. Any of the safeties could probably play there. We know Trayvon Flowers got work there in the spring. You know, again, Andre Turrentine. So they, they could go a lot of different directions there. But those are the two to me. And I still would lean toward Walker, at least being the guy who who plays more, but maybe not all of the snaps there. Uh, as I initially had kind of thought it would be just, you know, Walker eventually winning the job. I don't think it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the thing that I think McDonald has in terms of the advantage is, is that he's been in the system. I mean, he, he knows that position better. I think than Walker does right now. And, and Walker's played it more in games, but he played it in a different defense, right. For a different team. Um, there's probably a lot of crossover in terms of the scheme and maybe some of the terminology, but again, even though this is a guy that's been in a college program at Georgia tech for three years, it's, it's new terminology. He's probably maybe doing a little bit more thinking. Um, eight practices in, and that's, you know, we're eight practices in, right? They've had two full padded practices. So I think as Walker gets more comfortable with the defense and, and things start to click maybe with learning some of those parts of it, I think over time, I think that'll tell with McDonald. But that, you know, give credit to McDonald because he maybe wasn't a guy that was on the radar a whole lot going into camp, but I think he's he's, he's on it now, I would say. Yeah, I'll be quick about this. I I think Walker's the guy who, if they're both healthy, if they're both reasonably healthy or, or, or mostly healthy throughout the season, I, I'll go with Walker being a guy who, who gets more uh, snaps there. 
Um, but I, I do think that every time, and not just this year, just about every time I've watched Tamari McDonald play football, whether it's in a, in a game, in a scrimmage, or, or a practice, anything I've seen, um, I've just sort of liked what I've seen. I think he's not a bad football player. I really think he's in, he, he's got a, some really good instincts. He's kind of got a playmaking mentality. He hits really hard. I, I just There's things about him that I like. He's kind of got a nose for the football, and I, I, I think he's a bit of an underrated player. So I don't know if I'm saying he's like Matthew Butler underrated or anything, but I think he's a solid player. I think he's a guy who is not going to give that up without a fight. Guys, cornerback. Well, I'll go ahead, Matt. He's a Memphian, so there you go. all those things that you laid out are, I mean, it's standard. There you go. There you go. And we'll go from one Memphian to another. Pat, what do you think uh, here at corner? Yeah, I, I think going into the season, that, that situation I think has been maybe complicated a little bit by Kamal Haddon being out because um, I think – and he was flying around that first day, and he was talking to anyone that would, yeah. that would listen. He he broke up a pass and, and team run with Ron Keaton, and he was giving Keaton an earful about it. He, was he got beat on the play, but recovered because the ball was underthrown. But you know, he made the play, and he was pretty fired up about it. But uh, I think if he was healthy, I think he would be the guy at, at the spot. I think Warren Burrell uh, is is going to be a starter until per, otherwise, you know, otherwise. Uh, something happens, you know, if he you know, maybe has something that, that knocks his confidence down again, I think that, that maybe could put his situation in jeopardy. But with Haddon being out, I think it's it's down to, to uh, Christian Charles and Brandon Turnage. And from, from what I was told, those two guys kind of split some one reps in, in the scrimmage. Um, I would probably give the edge to Charles at this point. Um, that, that would be if I was posting a, a depth chart on the site on Thursday. Uh, I would probably lean towards Charles being that was going to be that was going to be my surprise prediction, and now you've it's no longer a surprise because you yeah, mentioned I, it first. What a boy! What a boy. It, 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 Maybe know, it wasn't a surprise out. to begin with, Wes. Well, it would have been the first time anyone mentioned it. It's a sort of a surprise. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny because you know in the spring they didn't have any corners, so they moved this guy down here to corner, and he you know he does pretty well. And, you know, in a spring where we thought we could just throw away whatever happened to cornerback because they didn't have any guys, well, this guy might, you know, Charles might parlay it into potentially a starting job depending on what happens the rest of the camp and uh, if he gets healthy. But uh, I think those four are probably the, maybe separate themselves a little bit. I think D. Williams, the junior college transfer, I know he's a guy that, that some people have asked about. Probably the next guy I'm on, but I think he's gotten most of his work with the twos. Um, but in, in terms of that one spot opposite of Burrell, uh, I think it ultimately, whenever Haddon gets back, it'll come down between him and uh, Christian Charles. But I think Turnage is a factor. I think he could be a guy that plays, gets rotational snaps. Um, you know, do, does he go back inside at all to get on the field? At all you know, I think those things are potential you know, or possibilities for him. But I think those four guys are guys you could see play early, um, and we'll see who you know who runs out there first. Thought. Sometimes I love when coaches get asked about depth chart stuff, and it's like, oh, that guy's just going to be the guy that runs out there for the first play. Yeah. And so I just one time I just want to see a coach do that and just you know run somebody out there for the first play and pull them just so they could say, oh, they started this guy. Yeah, it'd be like but, uh, they they promised Taven Jackson in recruiting that he would start the first game, so he, <laughs> so he goes out there and hands off to Jabari Small and then never plays the rest of the year. Just to clarify, before someone runs with that, we didn't actually say that Tennessee promised Taven Jackson that, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> why? Why would people <laughs> think know? I was being serious there? Oh, I, I don't think you'd anyone be surprised, would, Wes. We've we've been quoted on less um, when we didn't actually say it. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, but anyway, uh, just uh, 
you know, I had this at number two on my list, and the reason is I've I've heard less of a consensus on this position than I have on on the others. And to me, it's an it's an important spot. We saw Tennessee just get picked apart in the secondary in the Music City Bowl the last time we saw this team. So I think they've got to really figure out this position and and try to get it right. You know, even though I think this is a position that again is set up pretty well for them to to either rotate there, just have have four guys who play all the time, or for them to just you know, quickly bench a guy for a little while if he gets burned. You know, it could be set up to where, okay, these are our starters, but the minute the, the minute you give up a big play, we're just going to try somebody else and play the hot hand um, and, and go from there. So they could approach this a couple different ways, but I, I, I just haven't spoken with anyone. I, I feel like Kamal Haddon is the one that I've heard the most as, okay, we, I think we'd like him to be in the starting lineup or he's, the, he's one of the guys we feel most comfortable with so that he's maybe got the – best odds of being a starter but aside from that i feel like this thing's pretty up for grabs you know one day i might hear more that hey brandon turnage has a real shot here you know he's he's maybe a guy that they don't love every single day at practice like some some days he's better than others but it's like sometimes he comes out of there and and they still want to get him on the field because the talent's clearly there some days warren burrell has been you know he's been the steady hand for a while but then it's Oh, uh, you gave up a bunch of big plays toward the end of last season. Do we do we really want to see that again this year? So I feel like there are some differing uh, opinions still on this one within the program, within the coaching staff, and and I'm not sure there's a consensus yet on how this one ends up. And I, I think Christian Charles is very much the the dark horse that maybe hasn't been discussed enough, as as you were alluding to. But West. now everyone's um, going to discuss him. So what the hell? <laughs> but uh, I mean, he, he's a, he's a really interesting option. I think they've kept him at cornerback because they think he could play a lot for them this year. And uh, I, I think they're really intrigued by what he could do. Is he, you know, should he be viewed as the front runner for that other starting job? I'm not ready to say that yet, but I do think he's at least got a chance to win it. So I, I really could see any of those four starting to start the season. Uh, I, I would go with maybe Kamal Haddon as the safest bet, but you know, again, with him missing some time, does that open the door for somebody else? So I, I really don't know how this is going to shake out. And to me, it's the most, um, maybe the most intriguing position battle, if not the most important. I would go to left tackle being the most important still, but this one to me is the most intriguing because it could go, I could see any of like three or four different combinations to start the season. Yeah, I still say that the, not every coach is the same, but but if there's one defining characteristic of coaches, they're creatures of habit. Warren Burrell started 12 games last season. I think he's going to start to open this season. I, I just, I'd, I'd be shocked if Warren Burrell is healthy and not starting in the opener. Now, if things go badly from that point and it's a train wreck, kind of like it was at times against Purdue, okay, then then maybe you go ahead and change things up there. But I, I, to me, it's the same exact argument that I would make with McCullough and with Flowers is that they started all last year. But basically, they're going to start again until proven otherwise because coaches just don't like to – you know, if coaches coaches like to play by the book when they can, because that way, if things go wrong, hey, I played it by the book. If you go out there and you start some guy in his first game, and and Ball State shocks you like App State, Michigan, or something, you're 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 the guy who's like, why'd you put that guy in there when the guy who started 12 games last year is there? And that's how a lot of these guys think. So I'm going with Warren Burrell as one starter. I would have said Kamal Haddon for the other one going into the season. Now I honestly do not know. Um, but my my prediction was going to be that maybe Charles has been more consistent than Turnage, so it would be Charles who starts and then Turnage plays, and then we'll see when Haddon gets healthy. Um, and it shouldn't be too long. It's not like he's out for forever. But um, So basically I'm saying Burrell, and then if Haddon comes back in time, maybe Burrell and Haddon, but if not, maybe Burrell and Charles would be 
my thought there. We will see, though. Uh, we'll go now. Pat's number four was wide receiver. I think Ryan's also was wide receiver. I was the only voice of dissent there. So we'll go wide receiver next for y'all's number four. Uh, tell us what you know or what you think. Yeah, this is um, this is maybe a little bit more uh, like, okay, like Brew McCoy, if he's healthy and he's eligible, I think he's the starting receiver opposite Cedric Tillman. Uh, I know there's been, you know, the early impressions of Brew and the reviews haven't been great. He was rusty. Now he's hurried in scrimmage. There's the eligibility thing hanging out there. That's not why he didn't scrimmage the other day. Um, Cause on Sunday we saw him sort of tweak something that needed to be stretched out. We saw on Monday, he was working on the side with Jalen, right? So um, they're not, they're not like approaching. They're not, not letting him practice because they're still waiting to see if he's going to be eligible. That's not really a factor. Yeah. Um, but since he's not sort of out there right now, um, that, that spot is sort of up for grabs. I would say probably the main two guys are probably Ramel Keaton uh, and then Walker Merrill, who got most of the first team reps in the scrimmage. I think he had a touchdown. Um, and he's a guy sort of like Tamir McDonald wasn't really on my radar, and that's maybe my fault. Sorry, Walker. Um, but even the first couple of practices, I, I saw him run routes. I'm like, he kind of looks better. Like he he looks healthy. He, he's moving around pretty good. He's a guy that's had some injuries. Really good leaper. Uh, he can. He's um, he's a good leaper. He's he's got. He, he's a. I think he might be a better athlete than Ralph Keaton, but I may be wrong on that. Yeah, I, I think he is. Keaton, I think yeah, he is. Keaton's a little stiffer. I'd say that's probably fair. Um, but you know what 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 Keaton can do is he can go up and make 50-50 catches. Now he, he may drop an easy one. Um. But he can also go make some some fifty fifty plays that some other guys like Merrill probably can't. But um, Merrill's a guy that that coming out of high school, I, I liked his athleticism. I liked that he was just sort of he's kind of a tough guy. Like I think he just kind of played the game with some confidence about him. So I, he seems to maybe have that back a little bit. Um, I know we, we mentioned Jimmy Holiday a little bit earlier. I think in our takeaways is the guy that had you know, maybe made a good start to camp. I think he's maybe in the mix there too. But when we see him in practice, he's usually working behind Tillman, which if you're working behind Tillman, you're probably not going to get a you're, whole lot of playing time. Yeah, you're not starting for sure. And, and, and there might be some interchangeability between those positions too. So, but uh, again, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to put like the placeholder label on either Merrill or Keaton. Um, but I do think when push comes to shove, sort of like with Walker, you know, if Brew McCoy is healthy, if he's eligible, I think he's going to be the guy there ultimately. But uh, for now, those things are both a little bit uncertain. Tennessee remains optimistic that that he's going to get eligible, um, but for now, it looks like it's it's maybe those two guys that are in the mix. But again, down the road, I think that I think that's what they brought in Brew McCoy to do, more or less. Yeah, I, I think so too, and I, and I think that's still the safest bet. But I will say, when you you know you, you hear about the time he missed during the summer and and you know healing from uh, from whatever the injury issue he dealt yeah. with. And then you see it, you see this pop up before the first scrimmage and the eligibility issue, even though it's, it's expected to get taken care of eventually, um, it's still hanging out there for now. When you hear all this stuff, it just it's, I'm starting to think maybe there is a better chance than we thought at first that he's not the starter in the opener for one reason or another. You know, I think the health stuff is the bigger concern for that. But you know, does, does he knock off enough rust to, to be out there game one and play and even if he starts, does he does he play you know a high percentage of the snaps? You know, it might be one of those situations where he's the starter, but it's a pretty heavy rotation, and he's not playing a huge portion of the snaps there. So I, I still think it's a, a really interesting situation, just because he's not fully healthy right now, and 
and because at least until he's fully cleared uh, that we don't know for sure the eligibility situation. But uh, again, they think that'll be fine. But so the health thing to me is the bigger concern, but it's, it's at least worth watching this early in camp. Um, Cause that, I mean, three weeks away from the season opener, anything's the possible concern. So I, I think it's Brew McCoy, but yeah, I, I think like Patrick said, you're going to see those other guys in there. And I think Tennessee probably rotates the receiver a little bit more this year. You know, last year, once they figured out it was Bayless Jones and Javante Payton, they really didn't rotate as much as, people might have expected them to. I think this year the situation is set up for them kind of like on defense so to rotate a little bit more there if they want to. Not to say it's going to be a lot. I still think they won't play probably more than six guys on a regular basis, uh, at least frequently. But I I think they will try to rotate in a few others pretty often. And so I think whether it's you know Walker Merrill, Ramel Keaton, whoever it is, Jimmy Holiday, I think you will see some other guys in there, maybe even Jimmy Callaway in the slot. So they, they've got some options there, and I think they, they, will, they will probably see them. It's just a matter of how – how much and, and how many snaps do those guys play? Yeah, if you remember that old uh, back when uh, Stephen Colbert had the Colbert Report there on Comedy Central, and he had the, the like you're on noticed, you're on notice segment. Like uh, I'm not saying that you're you're on notice yet, Brew McCoy, but uh, you're you're getting closer to that point um, if you want to be a starter to open the season. Because uh, first off, you got to get you know eligible, but I think you, you also you know you got to get healthy. He, he's not been, he, he's just looked a little bit. He's looked kind of a little stiff, something in that hip or leg. Something's something's bothering him a little bit. And, you know, for a guy who, who's just kind of getting started here at Tennessee, for a guy who's trying to get up to speed, you, you need some reps. Like, you, if you want to go into the season, I mean, Pitt's the second game of the season at, at Pitt. That, that's, a, that's a tough game. Um, you you got to play Florida early in the season. They're going to get into it pretty thick here in some ways, pretty, pretty soon within the first month or so of the season. Brew McCoy's got, you know, if you get to that second major scrimmage here by Sunday and you're not out there running around doing some stuff, like at that point you're just you're less than two and a half weeks away. I, I don't know at that point if you can really rally and get back in there and get the trust of everybody to be kind of a main, main guy to start the season. So I think if the season started today, you're, you're talking – um, you're talking Tillman, obviously, at one spot. You're talking, obviously, Hyatt in the slot. And I would say probably Walker Merrill at at, at the other perimeter spot. Um, and then you'd obviously see a lot of Ramel Keaton there. So, I don't know. that That's interesting to me because you're not you're not quite on notice yet, Brew McCoy, but uh, you, it's about time to, to get stretched out, get healthy, and get out there and, and play some more football because this is yeah. – you're, you're in the first year here. You're going to have to get some reps. And when Wes puts you on notice, you're, you're in some deep doo-doo. You're not on notice. You're close to on notice. I'm, I forget what the one step before on you're notice was. You're in shallow was. doo-doo then if you're close to on notice. Yeah, you can you can sniff the doo-doo. That's how close you are, all right? <laughs> the wind's blowing in your direction. You can sniff it. So time to uh, time to get healthy there. Uh, we'll wrap up here with, uh, with, with D-line. I had it fourth. Both of y'all had it fifth here on the list. Uh, regardless, it's important. Um, th- there's very few places on the field more important than that one. Um, you win and lose games there. You win and you can be a competitive team or, or not a competitive team, and it can be based on how you perform there. Uh, so what do we think of that position right now for Tennessee? Are, are we picking, like, since Rodney Garner threw out the number 10, are we picking, like, 10 guys? Or are we just Apparently gonna we're going to have to because he's going to play everyone. <laughs> he's, gonna, he's not going to play everyone. I, I, I dare do this because you guys will name everyone on the roster. Um, well, then you go first and name just the ones <laughs> you want to name. Uh, I would hey, probably – Hey Patrick, you and I listed these on GoVols twenty four seven checkerboard just a few days ago, and we we got to, or at least for me, when I got to eight or nine, like it, we pretty quickly filled up. I feel like that list of guys that we know are going to play. So I don't feel like there's a lot of room for 
guys at the back end of this rotation, but Dominic Bailey and maybe a couple others are, are interesting wild cards. Uh, I would say to start off the season, um, I think at Leo it'll be Byron Young and Roman Harrison. I'm not ready to put P- Josephs and Pierce ahead of them. Awfully skinny. Or, I'm, I'm not Just ready to put those guys skinny. in the rotation awfully day skinny. one. Yeah, they're skinny. Uh, I'm not really worried about that. Um, at the strong side defensive end, I think Tyler Barron will, will be the starter. And then I think Latrell Bumpus will play if he's healthy. And, and if he's, you know, kind of in and out from game to game or if they give him, you know, if they rest him against Akron or whatever, then maybe that's where somebody gets bumped up. Uh, I would probably put Bailey in in there too. Just because Bumpus isn't going to be a guy, even if he is healthy, you're not going to play him 40 snaps. No, God, no, God, no. So, uh, and I mean, I I have to take Ronnie Garner at his word because usually his word is is the the honest truth. Yeah. So I'll give Bailey the benefit of the doubt and say that he's got a chance to maybe get in the back of the rotation. Inside, if I was picking starters, Amari Thomas would be one. I'd probably lean like maybe Karat Garland as the other. Just because you know, there's some other guys there that that maybe have potential that, that have been talked about, but Garland's sort of maybe just a steady guy. You know, he's gonna, you know, he's big body in there. You know, he's gonna kind of do his job. Uh, the other, I, I'd maybe go three more defensive tackles. Not round me out to ten. I'd probably go Dejon Terry. Um, I'll, I'll give Bryson Eason a little benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, with, with Rodney Garner talking him up too, with kind of with the caveat that he's still sort of adjusting because this is a guy that played linebacker. He, he's in a whole new world there at the three technique. So. Um, and then the, the last guy, Wes, for you is Elijah Simmons. Atta boy, but atta boy. But that's, I mean, I don't do that with a whole lot of confidence. You know, Mario McNeil's the guy that's in there. You know, where is, does Tyree West get in somehow? You know, uh, I think there's a lot to be determined with this position group over the next week plus as they get closer to game week. But when that's just you my educated. A- that's just my educated guess on maybe the ten right now. Well, you you touched on it there that 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 last name Tyree West to me is why this doesn't feel settled. Cause I think that's a young guy that they think can help them. It's just a matter of where agree. and how much. Yeah. As so, much as much uh, as Garner yells at him at practice, you, you can tell that he thinks he's a good player. <laughs> no doubt. So they are, uh, they're trying to bring him along just, just as he going to be one of those 10. And if he, if he is where, because in, when we saw him in the spring, you know, he was getting some defensive end reps. Uh, he's got a body that could play inside too, I think in some spots, but uh, I, I don't know exactly what he could, he could fit it either. To me, um, Latrell, Latrell Bumpus to me still could play inside if he needed to also. Um, but he's, he's obviously been getting those strong side end reps. Um, so I, yeah, t- to me, still a lot of moving parts there. Uh, I, I would agree on Elijah Simmons being part of the 10. I think he, I think he's probably in there as of right now. I, to me, there, there are certain Bryson, situations where he's the guy you're going to want on the nose. Yeah. I think. And especially short yardage and goal line stuff. I just think you're going to need him in there. And that this that, that that's also what makes me wonder, is that 10 really where they're going to try to cap things or is that just sort of a guide? Because I could see, depending on who comes on, and, and remember we haven't touched on the freshman edge rushers who I think they'll try to get in there as soon as they feel they're at least ready to, to give them a shot. And maybe they give them a shot in the first game and see how badly it goes, you know, because they just want to get the talent on the field and get them some experience. But, you know, are, are they just going to shoot for 10 or so? And if they end up playing 13, so be it. Or you know, how, how will they handle that? Because you don't want it to be such a big rotation that, that no one can get in a rhythm and you, you don't have your best guys on the field uh, often enough. But you also want to keep players fresh in there and, and keep things uh, 
lively and 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 you you might have a lot of a lot of interact uh, you know sort of interchangeable parts in this rotation too because it's not a lot of difference makers so I don't know how they'll handle that and that's uh, to to me though that the back end of the rotation it's those guys that are not as proven maybe yet like the like the uh, Dominic Bailey's and, and I would throw maybe Bryson Eason in that group I would agree he's in the rotation right now but I think he still needs to be a little more consistent I would not, agree. Not, not quite there yet, and that makes me think he's maybe closer to the back end than the front end. He, he, whereas he's Dor- changed his body as much as anyone on the roster, though, for sure. He he has he has, and and, and I, we heard enough talk about him in the off season though that I wondered if going into camp he was in in position to maybe compete for a starting job. The more I've heard early on, though, I think he's not quite there yet. I think he's more of a rotational guy at this point, but still someone that I think definitely has a chance to help this team. The thing with Easton is you've got some guys that have played a little bit more. So you, those are maybe more known commodities. Like, like, and we're not, we're excluding Amari Thomas because I think we all know he's going to be a, a big part of what they're going to do up front. But uh, Garland's played, you know, he started games. Simmons has started games. And Dejon Terry was a rotational guy last year, probably played, what, maybe 25, 30 snaps a game. So uh, those guys are maybe a little bit more known. You, you know, I think, Ronnie Garner was asked, do you ever play a guy just to play him, just to give him some work, just you know, help develop depth? And he said pretty much no. Um, and so they, they've got some guys in there in that interior spot. I wouldn't say any of them are, are world beaters, but some solid guys that you know you can go out there and, and more often than not they're, you, you can trust them to do what they need to do. So uh, that's maybe the difference where you, know, you haven't seen that much from Eason because he's played so little in his career. But um, he's a guy that, that has talent. Got four years of eligibility left too. So even if he's not a, you know, if he's not if he's not a starter, not playing thirty five snaps a game this year, that doesn't mean he's, you know, his time has come and gone. So, um, but I, I would agree, Ryan. I think they got some more known commodities in there that uh, that I think they, there's probably a little bit more trust in, in some of those guys than Eason. But again, there's there's a lot still to be determined. I think with with this rotation, it's going to change probably from day to day, just depending on how Ronnie how Ronnie Garner feels and who, frankly, who pisses him off in practice. Yeah. yeah. I, and quick, quick side thought too. I, I've wondered what a third down and like a, what's a third and 14 package going to look like for this team. Say they want to get those freshmen out there eventually. Could you have a third down look that has Joseph or Pierce on the edge or, or even Roman Harrison with Byron Young on the other side? And then inside, do you have something like Tyler Barron and Latrell Bumpus? I mean, what yeah. they've got some interesting possibilities on third and long that, that could make this team pretty interesting. Well, well, the this Roman Harrison back in the spring said that their first team dime front four was young off the edge, him off the Harrison off the edge, Barron inside and Amari Thomas. But there is some interchangeability because you could plug a guy like Bumpus inside there. Um, Cause he's got some, some quick twitch, some wiggle. And, and maybe that's, that's where you get one of those guys. Um, and, and do you get creative and I, you know, I, I'm getting way off the track here, but do you, is there some sort of hybrid role where you bring one of those guys in for, you know, for Beasley or somebody on, on third down? If it's, you know, if you want to go dime there, I don't, you know, I don't know. They probably go with, if you're in dime, you have six defensive months back. So I just, I just negated my own point, but. No, I mean, I think that they're, I mean, the only thing I would really add is that I still think when people ask me who the best left tackle on the team is, I still want to say Omari Thomas, but he's still playing defensive line. So that's just where he is. Um, But I think he and, and Tyler Barron and Byron Young are going to be three of the four starters. I think the fourth one's going to rotate. I might go, um, you know, prime Garland going into the season, just because I think he's kind of always overlooked, and and he, he, but he sometimes just pops up and does some good things, and he's always looked like a million bucks just walking around. He's a big guy, like they call him Prime for a reason. He's a big, big dude. Do I do I hear an NIL deal with the dojo? 
Uh, no, no, uh, no. It's it's that that's Elijah's house. Uh, no one else from the D line is allowed to step foot in there right now. That that's Elijah's uh, spot permanently. Because uh, insert okay. the insert the tarot and that's my quarterback. That's my nose guard. That's my nose guard. So yeah, uh, no, I, I think that they're probably going to play legitimately. You know, nine or ten guys there. I think Rodney Garner's going to do that. I think he says he's going to do it, so he's probably going to do it. He's not the kind of guy who just says something to motivate somebody. I mean, look at how often he'll chart, change his starting lineup week to week. I mean, he he'll, he doesn't care. He, he's like the, the the a big version of a honey badger. Like he doesn't care. So I think they're and, and that's what they did last year. Yeah, like too. like they'll play. And they don't they'll have play a bunch like, of guys. They don't have like four dominant guys. You're like, we can't have this guy. This guy can't be off the field as long as he's not winded. So. That's yeah. That's why. No, yeah, and I think that's fair, and and I think the guys that have been mentioned, I don't think I have anything great to add there. I think they're those are probably the guys who are going to play, and then it'll be kind of a, a situational thing, or kind of ride the hot hand, and they'll see. I mean, you don't you don't want to play it where you know you're playing a whole bunch of guys, you know, fifteen twenty snaps a game, and, and no one really gets going, no one really gets into any kind of a rhythm. So, but it is good. It is good to throw some different guys out there, some fresh bodies at offensive linemen, and see what happens. So. I think they're going to play a lot of guys there. That's kind of why I had it. Um, you know, I, I just I think I had it sort of higher up on my list um, because I think they still need more there. I, I just have it, – it's not like they're going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be bad by any means. I just think they have the potential there to get better this season. I, I really do believe that. I think, as, I think as the season goes on, you might see some better play from that group. So that's – that's why it would be up there for me because I think it's going to be really interesting on a week-to-week basis. Y'all got anything else before we step out of here? No, I uh, think we've covered those in depth, Patrick. No, I would just say keep an eye out for Dylan Sampson. I think it's real. There you go. The hype is real. So there it was. I think he said, did you, did you just say Doak Walker Award winner? Is that what you just <laughs> said? Is did I hear you correctly, or did you say Heisman? I couldn't tell. You kind of, it kind of got, it kind of got a little bit screwy there on the, on the, on the, the connection. No, neither of those, Wes. Just buy your stock if you haven't already. There you go. And this is a guy that's going to be the third running back if, if when they're all healthy. So, well, I, I'll say this. Yeah, keep keep so hearing more about not healthy right now, so he's probably the number two back. Yeah, I keep hearing more about Dylan Sampson, and and I still think Lynn J. Dixon, a big wild card in this team. That's another guy I'll be really interested in seeing. Does he do more in the second scrimmage? Because I think he was still kind of easing his way in. Maybe didn't play a ton of snaps in the first scrimmage. So do we see him more in the second scrimmage? And what's his role on this team? I think that's a huge, huge wild card in that backfield equation. Yeah, I'm going to go, obviously, Elijah Simmons is the wild card just because. And uh, if you, it's a big, it's a big, big wild card. Yeah, it is. Literally, it's the biggest on the team. So yeah, there you go. Take that, guys. I think we're at a pretty good place there. So I'll go ahead and thank you both for your time and tell you both to uh, to go on. And I'll see you here at practice here in a little bit. Sounds good. Bye, bye, Wes. And there's the button. And now I can say, guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24/7 podcast. As always, we always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want uh, just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, and you can get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball, tons of stuff going on there these days, obviously. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. we got two forums that run around the clock 24-7, as the name suggests. we got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss Anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with Tennessee fans across the world, pretty much every freaking time zone that exists. We've got somebody there. We got people up at different hours of the day. We got all kinds, any time of day, anytime you go there, you're going to find a bunch of people on there talking Tennessee athletics, talking SEC stuff, talking pro sports, talking life, advice with kids, what to get spouses for their for anniversaries, uh, lawn maintenance. Oh, just you never know what people are going to be talking about on there. And it'll be anything that's not political or religious in nature. Anything else right there on the board for you to discuss. And you can get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. That is all that it costs. And after you pay or get that seven-day that seven free trial, after that, you get us that, that low rate. That's one mediocre lunch per month. But you don't just get GoVols 24-7 with that. You get access to Paramount Plus with that for free in perpetuity. You also get access to a growing behemoth of a streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever done commercial free. Tons of exclusive stuff uh, that you can only find like, you know, 1883, Picard, Evil, Star Trek, all kinds of stuff that you can only find on Paramount Plus. You got new movies. You got classic movies, old blockbuster franchises, you know, comedies, dramas, horror, everything, stuff for the kids. All of it, all of it, and stuff from the archives of, uh, of CBS, obviously, and MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, all of it, all of it, right there, something for the entire family, and live sports, SEC sports, NFL sports, uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, French soccer, uh, PGA Tour, you get everything on there, and we, you get all of that, and our site, all of it, for just about 100 bucks and change a year. One of the best deals you can possibly find. And if you don't do it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go do that. Don't be a fool. Go do that. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from, hear from us in a few days. So until then, uh, try to be good to each other. Try to have basic human empathy for, for people out there in the world. There's not enough of that these days. There's too many a-holes. We don't need that. Be good. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 